welcome to the bullpen session. This is Patrick, and uh, glad you're listening. Excited to share the conversation with uh, playwright Adam Sinkowitz. Uh, we sat down at the SCTC, and a little nervous to be to interviewing the playwright that interviews playwrights. Um, but it was a great conversation, really generous of him. I asked him at the last minute, and uh, he came down and sat down with us for an hour. And it's really, uh, you know, excited to share that with you. But first, you know, figure like should probably talk about what's going on. And I hope you're doing all right. I uh, hope you're healthy. And most important thing right now, you know, is to take care of ourselves mentally and physically, emotionally, and you know, wash your hands, isolate, social distancing, and I'm sure you're doing all of that. Um, but also take care of yourself emotionally. You know, do whatever you need to do. You know, for me, I, I, I make sure I take a walk every day, do some kind of exercise. And, you know, I think uh, the conversations here are about early career artists and, you know, how do we, how do we take the next step in our career? And I think, I just want to say that's going to happen. Work's going to come back, you know, and, uh, but right, you know, right now, if you're, you're worried about that, you know, it'll come. We're all going to do something, uh, but might be important right now to, to just figure out what you need to do and take your time. And, uh, I was thinking about it. There's this thing going around, you know, Shakespeare created Lear during his quarantine and, uh, you know, it's great. If you can write King Lear or something equal to it, go for it. Do it. I'm amazing. But it's okay to listen and listen to what's going on with your body and do what you need to do, you know, because the work's going to come back. You know, there's a lot of tough things happening during this time of isolation, but, you know, one of the positive things, I think, is that it's forcing us to slow down. And I, I talked a lot about this recently this year, just about the idea of making sure you're pursuing and doing what you want to do. And, you know, it's a good time to listen to yourself and find out what you need. And I also want to say it's okay to, you know, if you can't create in chaos. That's one of our jobs right now is to see if we can eliminate all the chaos, as much of it as possible. Because the work will come back, the projects will come back. You know, and it's true. You can see it. Our theater community is amazing. I'm really impressed with all the ways that we're trying to generate work. You know, the readings through Zoom and live streaming. And, you know, I watched the Indigo Girls uh, FaceTime live concert the other day in the living room. And, you know, we're figuring out ways to connect with each other. But, and so, it, you know, we're going to find a way. We're going to find a way and this will end and we'll find new ways to create work. And we'll go back to old ways of creating work. And, uh, you know, right now, you know, if you want to create, create. If you can't create, take it easy and be nice to yourself. Um, and it's nice. You're getting a chance to, one of the things you're doing is listening to a podcast to say like, oh, I wonder how that playwright does what they do or how do they build their career and, you know, when I'm ready to do that, I can do that. And uh, so I'm ex- I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you're healthy. And glad you're taking care of yourself. And uh, thank you for listening. You know, just knowing that we're connecting through this and giving each other a reason to, to, to bond, even if we're through listening to a podcast or, you know, 
having a party on Zoom later. You know, all of it is uh, it's a good way to stay connected and know that we're all still part of the community and, and our community is very resilient. Um, yeah, I wanted to make sure to say that. And, you know, with, with that, enjoy the conversation with Adam and uh, play ball. What brought you to SCTC? Why did you come? Well, I kind of, I have this play that I'm really excited about um, that is newly published out in the world. And I was like, oh, I'll just try to, like, I'll look for opportunities to, like, get, you know, kids excited about it. And um, high schools and colleges might want to do it. And so I was like, oh, so I'm going to look into, like, what are the things that people go to? And so this was the easiest one to get into. Like, I didn't have to teach something, for example, to, I can just show up. Um, so, so I decided, oh, okay, I'll try this and see what this is like. And, this and just is, come as a guest. Just, I'm just, I'm just here. I went up and signed a bunch of plays upstairs and uh, I, just hanging out, meeting, you know, seeing some people that I know. And, 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 then, and then you were like, hey, you want to do a podcast? Great, I'll come <laughs> do a podcast. <laughs> Which that's I was, what's supposed to happen, right? You show up places and people ask you to do things, maybe? That's a, well, that's actually true. <laughs> I was thinking, like, how do you, how do you, you know, on a couple of these podcasts, I've asked people, and it's like, right, get in the room, be around. People yeah. will find you useful, create yeah. opportunity. And I, yeah, I saw when you were, how do you get, when you said, oh, I want to get students excited, are you talking to them directly about your play, or are you talking about the colleges? How do you, who are you um, approaching? I mean, who knows if it's going to actually work, um, but but also I have a lot of monologues that students do, and this is something that's been building over the past few years. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I've already, I was just upstairs at my two publishers' booths that are up there. And I was talking, um, and people come up and they talk to me, and and they know who I am, and they're excited, and I shake their hands, and I talk to them for a while, and you know, I like that. And then they pick up your play. Yeah, it's yeah, and then I make a dollar. That's, <laughs> that's how it is. It's a dollar at a time. Yeah, but uh, being facetious. No, but, I know, yeah. but but also, it's, I thought it was really great when you said I'm because I saw you post on social media that you were going to go to be by some of the publishers. And my question was like, what, I was curious, like, why? What was the impulse? And the impulse was to be there so that people, because they are, they're going to meet you, and they're going to be much more interested in picking up the play from the person they just shook the hand of. Yeah, you know, I've done a few signings, and they're always fun, and people are always nice, and you know, why not? Why not put yourself in a situation where people can be nice and say nice things to you, and you can be nice to other people. <laughs> like it's perfect it's like the ideal situation and, you know it's like you go to your play and um sometimes you're sitting next to the one person in the audience who hates it and there's nothing you can do about that but that's not what happens like at you know where you're signing your play like it, everybody's positive and happy that you're there and they came for that reason and they came for that reason and very funny one of the questions i i had asked early career playwright about I said oh what should I ask and they said your plays get done seem to get done a lot and, and you get done independently at different college levels different things mm -hmm. how do you think that's happening how has that been generated is it through your work is it through an agent work is it building awareness in certain communities 
You you mean specifically you, how do how do I how uh, are you getting like I would how are you getting productions done out that are uh, yeah I mean I I think that I think that part of it is that I have a lot of published plays right now, um, and people are finding them through the publisher, and I don't. I don't know how much it helps like monologues, but a lot of my plays have monologues in them and people are doing them for auditions or they're doing them for class or whatever. And that happens more and more. And I feel like I'm, I'm known because of that. And also for, you know, for a long time I've been doing these playwright interviews and people know me because of the playwright interviews that I do too. How is that? And that awareness, just the monologue, it's interesting you say that because like people doing your monologues, then they go and read the play. Right. And then it leads to production. I don't know if it's a straight line, but I feel like it's people are more likely to be like, oh, this Adam Simkowitz, I've seen his name a couple of times, like maybe I should read this play. Whereas like otherwise they might not. Right, they pass it on the shelf. They're just like, oh, whatever, that title isn't respond. But like then they see the name and they're like, oh right, two of my students just did a monologue monologues from that. From that. And, 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 you know, like people message me pretty regularly to be like, oh, I saw all the monologues, the auditions, I saw your stu- my students doing this, my students doing that kind of thing, which is a really, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing. And are they messaging you social media? Yeah, the people, people that I know that are like, hey, I just saw your name this place, I just saw your name that place kind of thing. It's kind of cool. I'm curious about what, what was the inspiration for I Interview Playwrights now that we're well over a thousand? Yeah. Um, I have said this many times, but I have no problem saying it again. (laughs) Um, So basically, I I had this blog, and I was in kind of the third wave of theater bloggers, um, whatever year that was. And and, uh, my wife just got a Jerome Fellowship, and so we moved to Minneapolis. And so we were in Minneapolis for a year, and I'm like, well, should I just stop doing the blog completely because I don't really... I'm not going to be writing about New York theater anymore, so I don't have anything to say about that. Um, and I was like, well, I uh, that year I had a production of Pretty Theft in New York, and so I was back in New York for that, and I was being interviewed for the first time. And um, I was like, oh, this is really fun. I really like this. Maybe maybe I could just like turn my blog into like a thing where I interview people. And um, I'm the kind of person who always, uh, and any theater party, I find the playwright and talk to the other playwright in the room. Um, and so a lot of the people that I knew were playwrights and I was, I've already been in a lot of playwriting groups and I was part of, um, like I was uh, interning at MCC Theater for a while and then I later became part of the Playwrights Coalition there. So I knew, so I just automatically just knew a lot of playwrights. And so I'm like, well, I'll just start and I'll just start like interviewing some of my friends and see if they want to do it. Um, and then, uh, and then, kind of like playwriting, I started doing this thing, and then I didn't really stop doing this thing. Um, except I did, I did actually stop doing the interviews for about a year, and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to take a break. Okay, and then I've, I've started doing it again because I, you know, I miss it. Yeah, and and and, and people like it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. It's interesting because uh, by doing it, I was gonna, yeah, what did it do for you? After the after the initial friends and you kept doing it, was it? I feel like right now it's helped build awareness, like you said. It helped build awareness yeah. about who you are. People know, like, oh, that's Adam. He does. He interviews playwrights, and I should read his plays. But when you were first doing it, did you feel that happening awareness, or were you were you excited to just 
give playwrights uh, a little bit of attention, shine a light on them, or were you also engaged in learning in the conversation? Well, I mean, for me, it was like, I think plays are important, and I think that other people should think plays are important, so I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to just completely change the world because everyone will read this and then know that playwrights are important. It worked. Yeah, and so that's why we're in the place we are today. That's right. <laughs> I can't keep up, though. There's so many playwrights. There's probably... Uh, 12,000, 15,000, maybe 20,000. I, th I think there's, uh, just on New Play Exchange, I think there's like 6,000. Um, they have 25,000 plays on the, on the exchange. It seems like a lot. Like, who can read all that? That's, yeah. But somebody's finding them. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so, well, I've gotten a bunch of plays from the New Play Exchange, too. That you've gotten um, produced. Yes. Um, a lot of, lately, more high schools and colleges. Um, and uh, I think like a couple small theaters, but uh, three, four, nine or ten at this point. Maybe ten, maybe nine. I'm not sure. Um, just from New Play Exchange. Have I have a lot of plays up there. I write, I've written a lot of plays. So I have a lot of plays up there, but yeah. But like I've gotten productions from it, actually. Which is great. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that's their goal is not only to build a it is. but it is it to is. get plays produced and, and out there. I'm going to back up because you do have a lot of plays my first question of what do you think happened what what for you took it can be defined the next level any way you want to define it but what what happened that got you from one level to the next I don't want to define mm -hmm. what you think that is yeah I, f I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of different incremental things that happen that you almost don't notice when they're happening that that change things gradually over time and and then also like nothing changes like you sit down at the computer and you're still like you know sometimes struggling to get the words out i th i think for me probably uh so i went to columbia and i started under studied under eduardo machado and um while i was there like his thing was all about trying to get you to dig deep into your past, your emotions, your feelings. Um, he used a lot of uh, Maria Irene Fornes um, exercises and versions of her exercises. Um, and I think like doing that for a couple, well, for three years really, um, helped me to get, to kind of get to that place faster. And so now if I only have like a half hour to sit down and write, like I can, I can find the thing that I'm trying to say, um, or I can try to dig into find that emotion and try to get to that place. Whereas, like you know, it might sometimes it might take like, especially earlier on, it took like a while to find like what the actual seed of what I was trying to get out was. Yeah, that makes perfect sense because I, yeah. I, I talk about when I write, I, I'm writing from a, there's some need that's inside me that yeah. I have to explore. Yeah. And you want to, that's great. And I think practicing, the amount of practice of getting to that place, like, makes it easier to get to that place in the future. Yeah. And I'm going to back up a little bit. When you, what, were you writing plays in undergrad? Did you start? Did you know? I when did, did. you? I um, did. So I started, so I started writing plays, I think, the the year, the summer after my sophomore year, I decided I was going to write a play. Um, and then the next summer, I wrote another play. And then I took a playwriting class. And then 
I, um, for my honors thesis, I, I went to UMass um, uh, in North Dartmouth, and for my honors thesis, I decided I would write and direct and produce this play on campus. Um, and it was super successful. Um, and I was, I, was just, I was just telling this to a kid that I met today, that I read it you know, a few years, you know, maybe 10 years later, and I'm like, oh God, this play is so awful. But like, at the time, it was so wonderful, it was such a hit. And like, both of those things can be true. Like, it, was, you know, it was really good <laughs> in that room. It got the responses that I wanted from the audience. People saw it like, multiple times, and like, it was like, you know, it was why people go into playwriting is when something amazing like that happens in a room, and you're like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. And also, it's not a good play, and that's okay. <laughs> no, I think that's great because, yeah, you're writing your first play. If your first play, well, it's like my fourth play, but yeah, right. but yeah, if, and it was like 40 minutes long, and it was like a con. It was heavily influenced by Christian. It was it, It's a comedy about suicide. It was heavily intru- influenced by uh, the Marriage of Bet and Boo and by Night Mother. Um, and both of whom are later became my professors, and then later who I ended up working for. So did you kind tell of them you were life is were... bizarre and kind of nuts. Did you get to say, "Hey, you are an early influence in your interview"? Yeah, it's. It, I, I feel like they've probably heard that a lot. Weirdly enough, you know, um, especially Chris. I think that people say that to him all the time, and you know, it's kind of weird when you say that to him. Like he, I don't. It's hard to tell if he if he takes that in or not anymore. I think he's he's well, both of them are so huge and influential, and they've influenced like generation of of playwrights. And I think part of them knows that, but it's also like the the how huge that is is kind of hard to measure. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, you're hearing it from all this next generation of writers you're meeting at Juilliard yeah. who are saying it's because of you. Yeah. Or I was inspired by you, but it's true. You get that fix that your early. I'm glad you said it. Like your first, your early plays are great because they're successful at what you set out to do, and hopefully you believe in it a hundred percent while you're doing it because yeah. it's the most important play in the world. It's the one you're writing. Right. Right. And you hope ten years later, you could write a better play. Yeah. Yeah. A much a much better play. And, and I like that what grad school, what you got out of that, because I, I, I really appreciated hearing that. What, when did you know that you, that you wanted, did you go right to grad school or what, what made you think I should go? Um, I, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that I was like, oh, I, this is what I want to do. I want to be a playwright. So I applied to NYU and I didn't get in. Um, and then I applied again, I think the year after and got into Columbia. And then I went to Columbia, and then um, I kept applying to Juilliard, and then I got into Juilliard also after that. Um, and Juilliard, uh, I have to always kind of explain that um, it's an artist diploma, and so some people who go to Juilliard already have an MFA. And so I already had an MFA from Columbia when I went there. Right. And did you know I need to know more, or did you, or was it the impulse of I want to do it professionally you know like I know like acting you're going to grad school you start to think oh god it was such a long time ago at this point I don't know what I was thinking I liked it well, um, well I can skip it <laughs> no really because what I liked when you said you got out of it is your ability to write 
get to the core of writing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely was a student at the time. I definitely wanted to learn. Um, and so I think that that was a major part of it. Um, but also, like, I don't think that most people who go to grad school really know what it is and what it can and can't do for them. I think people have like an outsized view of like what grad school can do for their careers. And I know that I did. And, uh, and yeah, it didn't, it kind of did that, but also in a roundabout way that took a while. Like it kind of, it kind of helped my career, but it like really like it helped me figure out how to write the way I needed to write. And also like sometimes it took a while after I graduated for me to get my voice back. Um, partially because like Eduardo doesn't really understand um, doesn't really understand like some of the whimsy and some of the comedy that I do, and so I had to like find my comic voice again afterwards a little bit because I was trying hard to like work on the drama and kind of the comedy like went by the wayside, but like it's such an inherent part of who I am that it I needed to figure out a way f- to marry the comedy and the tragedy together. Right, how to get to the, like, this is the heart I'm writing and yeah. my personality. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think everybody goes through, like, figuring, some ver- a lot of writers have gone through a version of that, of, like, figuring out who they are after grad school and, like, stop, like, figuring out, like, getting in, back in touch with what your voice is. My next thing is that that helped you as the writer. What helped, when you think of your career, what's happened to elevate that? What do you think happened? Because that, that is the artistry, which I'm really uh-huh. interested that you tapped into. Um, what happened to getting... How did, I'll ask a simpler question, maybe, if you don't have an answer for that one, but it's just, you are published a lot. How did that start to happen? Is that out of production? Um, uh, so my first... Um, when I was at Columbia, I interned for an agent, and at the end of that um, internship, she took me on as a client. And she was very um, interested in getting her clients published, and she had a relationship with DPS, um, and she got one of my plays published. I think it had like a production or something, like a small production somewhere. Um, um, and then, like I, and then I got into Juilliard, and I had, like, the summer after my first year at Juilliard, I had um, two plays off off Broadway, and. Like, I'd had no press of any sort, and I was able to get the times to come to both of them. And part of it was because I asked Marsha Norman to, like, write a quote about me, and she said something really nice, and that was what we used as, like, a press quote of, like, you should pay attention to this person, whatever it was, whatever Marsha said. Um, and, like, on possibly on the basis of that, and possibly because we had some great actors um, who were known, uh, ish. I mean, theater actors who were known, but great yeah. actors. Um, they, the Times showed up, and I got pretty good reviews from the Times. And I think, based on like they liked the plays and they got good reviews, um, and had some good pull quotes, then I was able to get those published too. Um, and then I had relationships with publishers, and then, uh, and then that's, and then I've continued to try to get my plays published, like. And after when, after that, and when you say continue to try, do you have your does your agent contact them? Do you make I mean showing up? I mean, I have great. relationships with them, so I I'm the one who talks to them. I mean, my agent like deals with the contracts and everything, um, but I'm I'm the one who is like sends them the new play and is like, hey, you should 
look at this one. And new play after production or? Uh, yeah. Because it's yeah. pretty rare, like your first experience of like, maybe I had one little production, that doesn't happen to get published. Right, often. right, they just like that play. Um, and I look at that play and that was, you know, that was the play I got into Columbia with. Um, but it's like, you know, it's pretty slight. It's like an hour long play, it's a, it's a comedy. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's very good. <laughs> but again, you know, I was, you know, I wrote it, um, I was 24, 23 when I wrote it. Like it's, I'm not, uh, that, that was 20 years ago almost. And like, I, I don't, I think that I'm a better writer now than I, that. And, yeah, and you, you've changed, but somebody 24 might relate to that play brilliantly and be like, this is great. Yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really grateful that they, that they published that play and it's, and it's, you know, it's still there on their, on their, and I we, signed a bunch of copies of it today. <laughs> like, I sold, I'm like, I think I sold like three of these last year. <laughs> today, I hope you sell these ones. <laughs> um, which is great. Did you, um, when you, when you did the New York, the press release with Marsha's quote, I'm asking because I think it's great. I think the idea of maintaining the relationship is something that people don't understand that like a publishing house builds a relationship with writers. You know, they've, yeah. they've invested in you by publishing one play. You can, yeah. you can nurture that. And I think we put up our own barriers like, oh, they, something on a shelf, we should, I shouldn't reach out. Yeah. But once you have the relationship maintaining it, when you got the, pull, the quote from her about you and people should pay attention, were you sending out the press release, the production, the agent? How how are you? So we had hired um, a press, uh, a PR person, um, and so I think it was mostly, you know, like it, it, it was two different productions, but it was the same press person for both productions, and it was two different companies. Um, and I think a lot of it was like one of them was maybe about a lot about the company, and one of them was a lot about the actress and and then they like put this press this quote from Marsh Norman in both of them um, and and so I think that like somehow that added up to enough for the times to show up and that was back when the times would show up to like a show that was only running for three or four weeks right I mean off cut. off Broadway they've... so that's not a that's a thing that's really hard to happen these days. Um, but back then, they were um, willing to cover more things. Yeah, they've they've cut back. They've cut back what they cover on Off Broadway. Did you feel the impact of them coming immediately? Oh, I mean, I was. You know, I I feel like when you're waiting for the review, like this kind of hasn't changed. It's sort of like on opening night, how you're nervous on opening night. Um, like you're when you're waiting, you're like, no, the review is going to come out like any time now, or you're waiting for reviews to come out. Like it's like it's hard to concentrate on whatever you're doing because you're like concerned, like, or what are they going to say? Like, are they going to like it? Or are they not going to like it? Um, you know, Chris Durang doesn't read reviews at all, and his own reviews. Um, and I have figured out my own rule for that, and it's that I read it once and cut and paste if there's any pull quotes that I can use, and then I never read it again. Um, and that way I don't memorize it, and I don't remember it, and I don't internalize it. Because it's really easy to internalize good things, and it's really easy to internalize the bad things. Um, but if I haven't 
put it to my memory, then then I'm gonna forget about it. And I do I don't know their name. I don't know, you know, what horrible thing they said one time. And and I know like I can tell you like that you know in the summer of 2006, like it, I had like a bad review from the New Yorker. There was one of those tiny like paragraph reviews. But I couldn't tell you what it said because there's no pull quote from it. Because I read it once and then I was like, oh, that wasn't a good review and that's not going to help me. Yeah. 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 Very funny. Just had a play open now and I can't remember the review where there was no pull quote also because you read it for that reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I read it for that reason. And those are the things that go on the back of the published play. You know, that's what it's for for me. And to get other people to be, oh, okay, this is a play I should pay attention to. Like, it's like, oh, here are the, here are the reasons you should pay attention to it. This person said this, this person said this, this person said this. I'm interested because you still have the agent. Uh, the, um, no, it's a different, I have a different agent now. But I've, the agent that I'm with, I've been with for like 13 years. I'm, I'm curious how the new, not how the new, I don't, you know, we grow out of relationships, whatever, but how that contact, the internship happened the first time. Yeah. So the second time, did they see a play and approach you or did um, you? The second time, I think, again, I got I got help from uh, Marsha Norman. Marsha Norman has been a great help in my life. It's pretty, pretty good. And yes, and from, she helped me before I knew her and she's helped me a lot since I've known her and, and she did, got me hired at Juilliard and yeah. And did she... Did she actively say, I'm going to help you, or did you ask, did you voice it? Uh, she um, uh, introduced, she was like, this is a good agent, you should meet with this person, and set up a meeting with me for this nice. person. Nice, so it was really yeah. proactive on their part. Very, very proactive on Marsha's part. Nice. Like, yeah. That's, that is something you want to look for. Yeah, no, I'm very, I'm very fortunate to have someone like that who's helped me so many times. No. And, and the job at Juilliard... How long have you been there? Uh, I've been there. It's almost five years now. It'll this summer. It'll be five, and then I'll start on my sixth year. Um, and Marsha, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, Marsha Norman and Chris Durang for years ran the Juilliard program. Um, and Chris Durang retired a few years ago, and David Lindsay Abair took over for him. Um, and so Marsha and David Lindsay Abair have been. Um, running the program and this year Marsha Norman is retiring and Tanya Barfield is taking over and so it's going to be Tanya Barfield and David Lindsay Bear who are both alums of the program um, and Tanya also had the job that I have now which is the um, it's currently called the uh, playwrights program manager but it's been called the literary manager there um, and so it's uh, my job is supporting the playwrights who are there and kind of being their contact person and also reading the admission scripts and uh, narrowing the pool down to a smaller pool for the professors to read. It's funny, I was gonna ask about you, but I think I'm gonna ask about that project. How many scripts show up? Uh, this year it was about 240. Um, at the height, while I've been here, it was like 300. I know when I when I got into Juilliard, it was about 150. So it's fluctuated some, but it basically it went up, and now it's going down a little bit. And it and it's that many, and it's reading and then weeding it down, and, and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really, and I find it's really hard for me to. Um, every year I'm like, no, it'll be fine this year, but it's always hard for me to write 
while I'm reading, like in that season of reading. Um, and I think part of it is because uh, my critical brain is on every day, and so I'm being critical about these plays, and then I can't go be critical while writing a play. And it's hard to shut that part of my mind off. <clears throat> yeah, I got to figure if you're thinking about things that are, oh, this A was great about that play, or this was yeah. not great about that play, my play should have the, <laughs> the yeah, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, and also I don't want to be like, oh, would this play get into Juilliard today? I want to be like, this is the play I need to write right now. Right, want <laughs> to be like, pure. That's not, yeah, and so my job is a separate thing of like, okay, this is a, the, does this show off, is this the is this the kind of play we that I can give to, you know, can I give this play to David Lindsay Bear and will he see it and will he understand what kind of a playwright this is? And that's that's a very different thing from like, you know. I need to create something. Yeah, I need to create something. I'm, I'm, there's something I need to write about. There's something I'm trying to say. And what's your process in writing it when you've written a play? Who do you share it with? It's really helpful to have a writing group and I've had some really good writing groups, um, and sometimes I have to form them and create them in order to have a way to hear stuff out loud and, and listen, you know, hear, hear stuff for the first time that helps me like write it and rewrite it and keep going. And, and when you have the writing group, is it, is it, yeah, is it just for you to hear? Is it because... For like a new, if I've written a new play, um, I need, I also need to hear the whole thing out loud at some point. Um, and so I have to set up some scenario in which I can hear it out loud. And you know, that's helpful if like I'm writing it for a specific group or something, or like I'll have to like get, well for, I'll give you an example of my newest play um, is a, I wrote specifically for high school students. Um, it's like a high school play and it's, I. Uh, like posted on Facebook, hey, anyone want to read this my new high school play? And then like 30 people were like, yes, I do. I have a lot of Facebook friends. Um, and so like, so I sent it out to like 30 people over like a couple days. Um, and then a few of them responded and one of them was like, hey, do you want to come to um, the Academy, uh, Hartford, oh God, what are they called? Hartford Academy of the Arts, something like that. Anyway, I'm doing a reading, like a public reading in, in Hartford, and I live not far from there at the moment. Um, and so part of what I'm doing is like I'm going into a couple classes, and then I'm going to be rehearsing this uh, play reading with them. And so I'll hear it out loud with high school students. Um, before that, I was able to set up a table read of it um, while visiting this other high school that's doing a different play of mine. And I was like, oh, can we do like, uh, maybe we could do this. So, so like I tried to set it up in like whatever ways I could to figure out how to hear this play with high school students. Um, and you know, you just kind of put it out in the ether whatever way. So that's not my normal process. Um, like ideally, like it's like, oh, I can bring a couple actors together and hear this play out loud. But this was a play that you know has, needs like at least ten actors, and ideally they're high school age. So like figuring that out um, might be simpler for some people. It was a little harder for me, but I also have a immense presence online, and so like I am able to reach more people online than most people, and so like some of those things come back and work out sometimes. Well, it's also great because I'm thinking you 
doing the reading of your new play at a high school for high schools where they're doing a play of yours. Yeah, where they're doing a different play of mine. Now all of a sudden you've and, got them committed and invested and, in your next play. Right. They well, I don't know if they're gonna do that one. But like the one that they are doing, they found on NPX. Like that's the only reason I know they exist. And I was like, oh, maybe I can come up there and it was it's in Boston. Um, so I went and visited them. And they're all, you know, super nice. And it was a great day. Uh, and they're, I think that play goes up tonight, actually. No, tomorrow. That play goes, does it go? I'm not sure. It'll be right it'll be after the podcast. That'll already be a hit after we've it. either it. goes up today or tomorrow um, at um, Beaver Country Day School in Boston. Nice. So go what, see it. What's the play called? Uh, the play's called The Wooden Heart. Um, I have had only one production of it so far um, in Lafayette at uh, Acadiana Rep in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, and that went really well. Um, and, uh, and so this high school's doing it, and then let's see, what else? A college is doing it, and another high school? How'd the rep find it? Um, I, they have a contest every year, and I think I won the contest. It, it was like a... I, I, that might have been through New Play Exchange too. I think it was a contest through New, New Play Exchange, um, of like they they were they look for a play every year and they. Um, did you did you have to submit or did they look? It was through? a submission process. I think through New Play Exchange, but I'm not positive. But I'm like eighty percent sure. So great! That resource is amazing. It's good. It's I mean you know it, here's the thing is like a lot of us wish that you know our play will be done at Playwrights Horizons or Steppenwolf and. New Play Exchange isn't going to do that, but if people think that it is, then they have weird expectations about how the world works. I feel like it, it, I'm able to, small theaters or, um, or uh, high schools or colleges are the ones who have contacted me so far. Um, but like quite a few of them, and so that's, you know, that's a huge thing. No, well, I don't know. I think you know, but at the Farm Theater does this college collaboration project where we commission plays to get produced, and, they, and the play gets produced at three colleges throughout an academic year. And right. Yeah, that's and really developed. cool. And the last year's play is a play called John Proctor is the Villain, and it got developed at three colleges. Who and wrote that? It, what? Kimberly Who? Bellflower? Oh, great. Okay. And uh, it wrote, it got done at Clemson, and now it's getting done at the studio in Washington and Milwaukee Rep and the Alliance. But it came awesome. out of building at the schools, and I'm like, one of my goals for each of these plays that go through it is, you know, yes, Playwrights Horizons would be great. Um, but the goal is like, oh, if you can get your play done at every college, that's not bad. And no. I, you know, when you write a play, you want to get yeah. it produced. Yeah. And I, I'm, you know, I was really interested in the idea that when I was, you know, I look at where your plays are getting done, and it is, there are, are a lot of independent productions happening, yeah. college production and, and all over. And it, It's interesting because, like, f certain kinds of plays are more likely to get done, like, my play Nerve probably has, um, overall, it usually gets, like, one or two productions a year. Um, last year, I think it got three or four, um, but for the most part, like one a year, um, and those productions—it's a two-character single-set play. Um, for the most part, those are the fanciest productions of the plays the, of the 
of the productions that I'm not involved in. Like the most of the um, uh, like bigger productions in in historically have been of nerve. Um, a lot of the smaller theater, like indie theater productions, um, are of like Hearts and Fists, Hearts Like Fists, or Clown Bar, which are both like big cast plays that are like splashy um, in terms of uh, theatrical and like have a lot of images that people can post um, from the plays. And so it's, um, and Hearts Like Fists gets done in high schools, and Hearts Like Fists gets done in colleges. Uh, Clown Bar has, weirdly enough, gotten done in a couple of high schools. Um, but it's more likely to get done in colleges or in small theaters. Um, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, okay, this kind of play works well in this market, and this kind of play works well in this market. Um, and like sometimes you don't know that until you put it out in the world and you see like who grabs onto it and who is like, this, this is for us. Yeah. And Funny, your two bigger plays are the two that I know the best because I saw them in New York. But uh, oh right, yeah, like yeah. Justin and, the, and those are you know those are kind of more recent. Those were both and those were back to back in twenty like end of twenty twelve, beginning of twenty thirteen. Those yeah. two plays. And I feel like it's funny, Clown Bar. I feel like would be when you say smaller theater companies, it's more not only it feels like younger companies. Younger, yeah. Somebody who's wanting to do something adventurous and take a risk and mm -hmm. non traditional venue and things like that. Well, it was done in uh, South Korea, in Seoul, in South Korea. Um, it, with, I mean, they, they, they looked like kids. I think they were like right out of college um, in Korean. And I just saw photographs from it and they like sent me a, like a public, like the, you know, the translation, which I of course can't read at all, but I was like, oh, this is so amazing that this is happening. That's incredible. All right, yeah. how'd they find the play? Uh, they must have, they must have, someone must have bought it and, you know, picked up the copy and decided let's publish let's, it. Let's. And it's being done right now in Turkey, in Turkish, um, I think, it, oh, it's being done in Austria, but that's in English. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's out there in the world. It's what? It's out there in the world. Yeah. If you have a two-character one-set play, more people can invest in their money. Right, right. And that one, you know, that one was done in Greece. That one was done in, that one was done some places too. Um, but, but more of the, um, yeah, like they can afford to do it. Like a two-character play can be, can, can be done by a bigger theater, like a theater with more money. Right. I mean by bigger theater. No, yeah. The, the Physically larger space sometimes. Although some of the colleges are, like some of the colleges, like the most impressive, like visual productions I've had are in colleges. Like sometimes I look at the photos and I'm like, it's amazing. These kids will never have this sort of, this sort of tech, these cost, these sort of costumes, this sort of set, like out there in the world, because you know, some of my best productions are in tiny black boxes in New York, and then and then like, with no money, <laughs> with yeah. amazing actors. Yeah, and then you, yeah, it's funny. That's the college club. That's actually as we're talking at the Southeast Theater Conference. I was thinking. That is what I love about working with the colleges because they also, when you, Center College is a great partner of ours in Danville, Kentucky, and 
every time the design elements far exceed they far exceed what i think they think they were going to do in the beginning of the play because they're doing a workshop of a new play it's amazing and then they get invested and it grows and it grows and it grows and you're you come and you're like you're in a 340 seat theater it's sold out (laughs) and this tech is amazing and they've done video and the playwright throws a challenge at them and they're like yeah we're up for it because you know they want to solve it and it's it is it's amazing and I, and I think to the students, in the next couple of years, while you've had this amazing experience, then you're going to go to this black box. Yeah. You're not going to have these to- yeah. t- toys to play with. And then you're going to be like, I'm going to use this cube. And we're, <laughs> we're going to do a play. For everything that was represented in that <laughs> other thing, this box now does everything. Yeah. Yeah. Theater is so weird. <laughs> uh, when I think about the difference of going and looking at the box. When you think back from when you started and now, what do you think you, what do you carry with you into the room? And any, and what I like to say into the room, but whatever that means when you, as an artist, what do you carry with you that you didn't when you were beginning? Oh, hmm. What do I carry with me into the room? Uh, I mean, I feel, I I feel like I carry less fear. Like I feel like I know what this thing is and I try not to get too stressed out about it. Um, It's, you know, it's really stressful for first time playwrights to see their stuff in front of people for the first time. And I feel like that does get easier. Uh, It doesn't go away completely because, you know, you care. You care what people think. You care what, how the play goes. Um, but you know, it's survivable. And when you say, I know what this thing is, you mean just the act of presenting work in front of people? Yeah. Yeah. I say this, not that I know how this works, because if I knew how the play worked in my mind, I'm like, I don't have to do it. It's always a mystery to figure that out. But the event of sharing work in front of a public. Right. Right. It's a, it's a process. And, and you know, you have to kind of let go because... Um, there's a magic that can happen if you're lucky, but no one really knows why something comes together perfectly sometimes or why other times it doesn't. Um, sometimes it's just, it's just the way, the way the play works, the way the actors come together, the way, um, the audience responds to it, uh, but it's but it is it's some kind of magic that I feel like no one really, if they understood everything would be a hit. Like if you knew how to do it, you could just do the hit over and over again. Right, we do it all the time. We put that right. chemistry together and we got it. Right, right, right. Um, it it really helps to to work with super talented people, um, but that's not gonna that's not gonna make it perfect. It really helps to um, to you know work with people who you like. But um, but there's no there's no you know there's no everybody is vulnerable every time and there's no way around that and you just have to do it if you want to do this thing. And you mean vulnerable because vulnerable to it that it might not work. Yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and yeah you have to be willing to like oh I'm gonna put myself out there and do this thing um, and it might not work and even if it seems like this it'll definitely work it might not. And no one knows why. Right. There is no, yeah, there is no definite. Uh, interesting. I was just, uh, I just did an exercise with a student and it's a 
long example of this theater through sports exercise that I do that pretty much illustrates acting and objective. And I said, oh, you're, you're committing like 90% to this game. How come you're not committing 100%? And she wasn't winning. And uh, I'm a guest artist right now at Shenandoah University. And, and she said, um, you know, what if I commit 100% and I still don't win? Oh, and I yeah. went. I was like, that's, that's life, the, kid. That's <laughs> <laughs> I did. I thought that's that. But I went, that's right. Yeah. You know, you have to yeah. commit 100% and yeah. you're probably not going to win. Yeah. And, and you're, you know, every play, you have to show up. Every, play, every time you sit at a desk to write, yeah. you're committing 100%, not knowing if this is even going to turn into a play. Right. And, you know, I've always felt bad for the actors because if it doesn't work, they have to keep doing it every night for the entire run, you know? Um, <laughs> and it might work some nights better than other, but there's not, there's not a way to, to save it sometimes. Um, or it might just suddenly crystallize, I guess. That, I guess that could happen. Um, but, you know, recently talking to um, an actor who for the first time is a playwright, I feel like they didn't really understand how vulnerable it was to be the playwright. Um, and like, I'm just used to it. I'm like, oh, that's the thing that we have to do. Um, but, uh, I, it makes me, it makes me not think, oh God, at least I'm not an actor. Like that must be so much harder to be an actor because I was watching this actor have real hard time being a playwright. And I was like, oh, whoa, okay. That's a, that, I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. I didn't, I didn't know it could be harder to be a playwright. I've always assumed that the it other was, was harder. harder. Right, the other thing was harder. Um, so that made me rethink that, and I still don't know that I necessarily have an answer, but it was, it was an interesting experience of like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this is, the, this is what it is to be a playwright. This is how everyone will judge you by whatever happens on stage. They will think that that's what you intended, even if, even if it's something that's not supposed to be that way. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've said it before, but I've directed, I directed for 15 years before I wrote a play. And I always thought directing was incredibly personal and you're putting everything, you know, you're responsible for yeah. everything and you're overseeing it. And, uh, and, and doing plays because you care and there's an immediate purpose for it. And then sharing the first play I ever wrote I was like, oh, that's vulnerability. That's different, you know. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Do you know, I always, I always like to say that uh, talkbacks after, after a play reading are so hard for me or a production are so hard for me. And part of it is because I feel like I've already been talking for 90 minutes. And then I go and I sit in front of these people and they want me to continue to talk. And I know that, you know, literally that's not true, but it feels like I'm up there on the stage being vulnerable for all this time, and they don't even know because it's in the dark and I'm in the audience. But, and then I have to go up there and hear more and talk more about it. That's right. And yeah, I just had that experience. And you're right. You're like, what else do you want to know? It was, I worked for it. <laughs> for me, I don't know how long it takes to write a play for you, but for me, it takes almost a year before I'm showing it. Yeah. Publicly, I'm showing it to friends and doing the process. Yeah. And in that, I'm like, that was a year's conversation I just had. Yeah. And now you 
<laughs> you want to ask me more? <laughs> and if I had more to say, I would have put it in the play. You want more, and uh, and it's an opportunity. Like I get it because it it it's a thing that 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 engages the theater audience, and so I totally understand why theaters do it. And occasionally, someone might say something helpful, but uh, also it's it's much more likely that someone will say something unhelpful that can be damaging to you and to the way that you look at the play and make you never show it to anyone ever again. I mean, I'm I'm pretty inured to that at that point at this point, but I know a lot of playwrights that get really messed up by that by a bad talk back. Yeah, I feel like it, it's interesting. I want a talk back to be where people just ask about the process but not about the script. Yeah. You know, I feel like they should how do you sit down to write or what, where did you get the idea come from or like all yeah. that stuff because that's not going to damage how I'm thinking about the text. Right, right. I don't always have answers for that, but I'm, but I'm glad to make something up on the that's spot. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine, to, but those questions feel safer to me. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. <laughs> and yes, I yeah. may be making up the answer of the inspiration because I don't know or I don't want to share. Right, sure. Um, most of the time I'm happy to talk pretty close to the truth about the inspiration. No. Um, what advice would you have for somebody who is pursuing it? Yeah, I, I well, I tell people, I, I, there's a lot of things. I, I have a spiel for all sorts of things. Um, you know, we were talking about publishing earlier, and it occurs to me that a lot of playwrights don't really even think, oh, maybe I should send this play that was just produced um, to a publisher. Like, they assume that publishers will just show up and come to them at some point um, when they get, like, their big production or whatever. Um, but, you know, having, having your play published is kind of the way that people find out about your play. Otherwise, it just disappears into the ether. Um, and so I'm a very big proponent of getting your plays produced and then getting your plays published. Um, and, you know, there's, like everything else, there's not... Uh, there's not an unlimited amount of slots. Like, there's only so many plays that get published every year. There's only so many plays that get produced every year. Um, but uh, but I think that most starting out playwrights don't even think about it. Don't even think about oh oh I should send this to a publisher now that I've had this production and it's been reviewed and it's been in front of people and and it's in a shape that I want more people to do it. And if you send it to them, you're sending it like. Say it wasn't reviewed by the New York Times or some. Yeah. Are you still sending it to them with the the online poll quote? Yeah, yeah, and and you know my and my publishers might get mad at me for saying this. I don't really know. <laughs> I'm sure they're already flooded <laughs> with plays. Um, but but I think that it, I think that you know we should do whatever we can to get our work out there into the world. Um, there's, you know, like that's our, I, I'm going to bring up Marsha Norman again because of course, um, but Marsha Norman says our job is to write all the plays that are inside us. I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what she says, but basically it's like your job as a playwright is to write your plays. And so you have to write all the plays in your lifetime about this time. You have to write them and put them out in the world. And I would secondarily say like, not only do you have to do that, but you have to get them you if 
if you're the thing that you're trying to get out, the thing that you're trying to express, like you need to put that out into the world. And so the way to do that, besides trying to get someone to put it up or to put it up yourself, is to also get it published and out in the world so that other people can read it and so that other people can experience it and that it can exist and be the thing. Yeah, what's the most successful way of, okay, so there's the New Play Network, right? The exchange, the New Play Exchange, that you can yeah. go up there and you're, so people can find the play. But when you send it to somebody who's doing a hard copy publishing, because a lot of places may not take it if it's not an agent submission, whatever, but but what has been Depends. the most successful? What is, and by that I mean. Depends what kind of play it is, because um, there are some publishers that are only looking for the high school market, for example. Um, and so they don't, I mean, they don't care if you have an agent. They don't, doesn't matter. It matters if you have a good play for the high school market. Has it been done at a high school? Like, did it go well? Like, they read it and they're like, oh, yes, right, this is good. We can put this out into the world and um, people will do it. And what are you sharing with them besides the script? Are you sharing, hey, it went at the Academy, we did it in Boston, there was this production, or does that not matter? It's the script and the material, and I think it serves nine people and a mixed cast and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there, you know, um, I, I emailed um, one of my publishers today about uh, a play that I sent them and being like, oh, I got another, it's got another whatever. And they're like, oh, great. Can you send me the list of the places that are doing it so I know what market it is working in and what markets are already, where it's already been done kind of thing. So I, so part of the thing is I think that they are interested in that, um, but um, they... Uh, I, I don't know that that's the, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't work for a publisher, so I don't know what um, decisions go into the why do we publish this, why do we not publish that thing. Um, I, think it's, I think it's sort of what you talked about about different plays. I think different publishers, like Summer High School, they know, like, we serve this our market. This we is serve this market. This is going to do us. really well in this market, like the... Um, the independent theaters are really going to like this one. Uh, you, you know, it, it, and, and I, I feel like this is a separate topic, but um, I'm, I think a lot about comedy and a lot about how there used to be like a slot in every season for like a comedy in like, at like every theater. And that sort of has gone away. Um, and I think I think I blame Isherwood partially because I feel like he destroyed like every comedy that went up in New York for a really long time. Um, but I think that we took ourselves so seriously as a um, as a as a as the American theater that we just don't think that we need comedy anymore. And so the only comedies that end up going up are um, are are in in like the smaller theaters in like the independent theaters and or commercial theaters that are trying to make money. And so, you know, you can have like you can have like the the comedy on Broadway. Right. But you can't have a there's not really comedies off Broadway anymore. It's like a weird thing that's happened. Um yeah. It's interesting cuz I, I I'm aware of that as you're saying it I'm like, yeah. Yeah, the play that went wrong, commercial Broadway. Commercial Broadway, the audience is going to enjoy it. It's good, but like, you know, what what 
And it, and it's not to say that they're not doing funny dramas because there's a lot of funny dramas and there's that that thing is a thing that's happening. Um, but there used to be a slot in every season for the comedy. And sometimes you'd like you'd be like, oh, I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to get that slot. And that's not really true anymore. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions. I'm sure there's right. regional theaters that still are like, oh, here's our comedy for the season. Um, but I feel like it used to be more of a standard thing. Nice. Okay. Have you formed a relationship with a publisher on your own pre-agent, pre-production just by reaching out or how have you generated one? Because I think what you're saying is really important because it's true. I think about all the plays that people, first of all, I love the idea that we're supposed to write all the plays that are inside of us. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what She's was, a hugely inspirational human being. <laughs> Uh, I, that's good. That is good to hear. And I actually didn't actually doubt that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She's yeah. very important in that program. I mean, not only did they run it, they started it, yeah. right? I mean, it's amazing. But I love that idea. And then the other idea that you're sharing is, you know, we need to get them out into the world because I think I go, you, your job is to write the play and then your job is to make sure it gets produced. Yeah. Which is hard. I mean, you know, I have plays that have been sitting on a shelf for 10 years, and I just can't figure out how to get the first production of that play. Um, and then somehow, you know, three high schools are doing this other play. Who knows how or why? Right. But, yeah. but finding the, but creating an opportunity for that high school, those high schools to find the play yeah. through posting it, through publishing it. So I'm curious if you've... Because I think anybody who's listening is like, oh, I'd love to get my play published. And then they'll feel like there's this mythology of how it happens. Did you, the first one is an agent introduced you. After that, have you, is there, how else does that happen for you? Um, I completely cold email publishers. I have relationships with lots of publishers, weirdly. Um, most playwrights don't. Most playwrights have one publisher that they use. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I think that well. What, so the other part of what I was trying to say about comedy is that people still crave comedies, but it, those kinds of plays are not being done off Broadway anymore. They're being done in the smaller theaters throughout the country, and they continue to be done in the smaller theaters throughout the country. And you know, people are still hungry for comedy. Um, but they end up doing like whatever was on Broadway and not whatever was off Broadway, um, just because there just aren't that many anymore. Um, so the so what I'm trying to say is the publishers are still looking for comedies that can go up in a community theater um, and and will do well in a community theater and that and that people can do well. And so I feel like that's also that's also a specific kind of play. It's a kind of play that if the acting is not great, the play will still work. Um, and some people can't write, some playwrights can't write that kind of play. Like that's, um, and some playwrights can write that kind of play really well. Um, and I don't think there's any, I don't have any value judgment on that. I think that it's easy to be snobby about that sort of thing. But I feel like comedy is important and valuable. And um, uh, so maybe I should start interviewing comedians. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, um, but no, I really believe in um, the importance of comedy. And I think that the publishers are still looking for comedy and still looking for And so that. in a way, you almost have to, it's good because I'm thinking about it going, it's good 
for you to actively say, okay, I'm not going to name all the theaters, but if it wasn't, I will name one. Like the things I'm seeing at Soho Rep, they're not doing, they're not going to do some farce. They're not going to do a farce. Right? Yeah. So like, okay, you're not having access to that, but I have a really strong farce that I've just written and I want somebody to see it. You, it, Bringing it to the publisher is a way for the publisher then to bring it out to that theater that's in right. Kentucky where we're yeah. sitting. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, I'm, how am I blanking on her name right now? Um, um, anyway, her, her play called Nana's Naughty Knickers. Great title, right? Great title. That, that play was done, I don't know how many times, um, so many times in small theaters all over the country. Um, and in bigger, like, bigger versions of the, like, in bigger independent theaters throughout the country. Um, it, it, and it's, I mean, I, you've probably not heard of that play. I just I'm heard assuming. the title now. Right. There are, there are lots of plays that are, um, that are funny and well-written um, that are unknown but are done all over. I mean, I feel like Almost Maine is kind of like the perfect thing that's done everywhere that people know about. Um, but there are a lot of plays that are somewhat like that that are being done that are only known in like various markets. And, and I, I think a lot of people in the, that I consider like theater people um, don't actually don't know about Almost Maine. If they didn't happen to see it in 2006 in New York, if they didn't happen to see it at you know one of the big regional theaters that did it, or if they didn't happen to see it at like their kid do it in high school, like they wouldn't know about that play. And <laughs> that's funny. that play's done like you know 600 times a year or something. Yeah, that's the dream right there. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But that, but it's funny. I, it's a good play. It's a really good play. Yeah. And I saw it in all three of the places that you named. I was like, I saw it in New York. I saw it at a regional theater. Did you see it in Portland? I did not. I saw oh, it up I in, uh, they just redid it in Portland. A friend of mine was in Yes, they did. John um, Cariani is such a nice guy. Have you ever met him? Uh, oh, not. he's so lovely. He's such a charming, wonderful human being. And the, which, which the play reflects. Yes, uh, I and think I saw so. It up in Chiva in Rochester and in New York and in a smaller community theater, and it was, it's great every time. Yeah. But in saying that, what I think is, is what I think is really interesting, because I'm, I'm, is the idea of like reaching out to publishers so your plays can get done, and also also advocating if you have a play that you think is right for, it, it is knowing, like, is this play, you know, if, where you are in your career, is it gonna get done at Playwright Horizons or Manhattan Theater Club, or there's all these other venues that are gonna do your plays, and just a remaining, not only open to them, but actively trying to figure out how do I get my play to them. Yeah. That was yeah. one of the questions that somebody had is you get your plays done in a lot of different places. And it's good to hear you talk about how that happens. Yeah. Well, um, I, th I think part of it is the, you know, I think part of it is the um, my being active online. And, and I think that a lot of me being active online has to do with um, my blog that I started and like the, all those playwrights that I know. Um, and uh, yeah, I just like collect, like I've just met a lot of people. I've just made it, you know, like I'm here to meet people. I'm here to like get myself out there. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like, that's, yeah, I'm an introvert at heart. So that's, you know, that's, that's a, it's a little nerve wracking, but I'm also kind of used to it. I'm also, um, I know what my role is. I'm the playwright. Introvert or not, two hours ago, I texted you and said, 
would you like to come do an interview? You said yes. so nice to get to sit down and talk with Adam and really appreciated the fact at the end of that conversation him talking about being an introvert and uh, that may be so but he came to the conference and within two hours of me texting him he said yeah let's sit down and do it so thank you for that and um, and thank you all for listening you know before we wrap up I wanted to I was just thinking about one other thing about being at Shenandoah and and play spirit being postponed. I mean, it's, it's going to get done in a different way. But I was realizing, you know, when the students heard this, with, uh, you know, there was a loss. Their loss, it's their first college play. But if they're a senior, it's their last play at the college. And, you know, there was real sadness. And I thought, you know, we're, the theater community is doing amazing. We're creating work. We're live streaming. We're going to do it on Zoom. The people are doing readings in closets. You know, the Indigo Girls did a live concert from a living room. You know, we're finding ways to make art and share art and keep all of us connected. But I also wanted to make sure that, you know, be aware that we all also lost something, you know, projects that we invested in and cared about and or we're hoping to do and we're planning on have been canceled and postponed and you know with that comes grief and loss and sadness and you know I just want to make sure that we create space for that you know and allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling about it I, I don't want to get too down because I I'm loving the community and I like that we're finding ways to connect and I like watching the teachers find ways to teach and I'm watching the students show up in a 100% attendance eager to learn but I also think it's healthy to say, yeah, I missed that. I'm sad about that. And, you know, take the time you need. You know, and like I said, we're going to do it. It's going to, we're, we're going to make stuff. We're going to find new ways to make it um, when we're ready. And even if we make it differently or whatever we do in the future, you know, we lost something. And that's, that's good to acknowledge and just, uh, yeah, because I want people to take care of themselves. That, on the other thing, I'm going to say, you know, I also think that there are stories to be told. And that thing that Marcia said to Adam about, you know, our obligation is to tell all the stories as artists, to tell all the stories that are inside of us and to get them out. And, you know, I think we will do that. And so, you know, not to shut down, but to take care of yourself, take the time you need and uh and trust when you're ready, the stories will come back and they'll take whatever form they need to take to get told. And I'm grateful, grateful we're here. I'm grateful to be part of the theater community. I'm grateful that you're listening. And, um, and I'm really grateful to the Southeast Theater Conference. I was so glad to get to sit down and uh, talk with people when I was there. And that is an example of how wonderful the theater community is. And um, they, like other places, are putting together resources for artists and a list of, you know, organizations and way to get help. And uh, as are other places like Art New York. And I saw something in the New York Times listing all of those advocacy groups. And so just know that we're we're in it together. And 
Uh, I look forward to seeing you. I look forward to hearing from you, seeing you online, and eventually seeing you in person. And uh, with that, we're out. Thank you.